feels weird to be on a stage. Let me just say that. But it feels even more further away to be up here, so I'm not doing that. Uh, but who's ready for some mixed metaphors today? So bu buckle up. It's gonna, we're all over the place in my, in my thought process uh, of the way that we're kind of talking about our continuing our, our, new, our series on new build. Uh, Ezra, we've been kind of working our way through that. And here we are, kind of interestingly enough, in this new space, in this newly built, newly renovated, things aren't finished yet, we're still kind of figuring stuff out. It's been cool. We've had these countless people that have come and poured in their time, sacrificing their time with family to be here. I could start naming names, but then I'll forget a bunch of people. So I've said I'm not going to start naming names until I can name all the names. But there have been so many um, that have just done good things for us uh, uh, to, to be here, to, to just volunteer their time. And um, I just think this, this point of the sermon series comes at an interesting time, since this is our very first uh, Sunday in this new place. So if you remember last week, we did a quick flyover uh, of Ezra um, as we kind of talked about how the temple, they were kind of getting excited about building the temple, and then it came to a complete and utter stop and what that kind of meant for the people. And that stop lasted for 15 years uh, where they just couldn't do it anymore. And Ezra 5 um, also takes place around the time that uh, Haggai the prophet came. So this is where the books, the books of the Bible can be super confusing. So Ezra is in the front, more towards the front of the New Testament. But Haggai, the prophet, which is happening at the same time, is like the last few books of the Old Testament. But they're actually happening simultaneously. So some of the things that Haggai is uh, writing in his book are taking place in Ezra. So Ezra 5, the, one of the first things you read there is, enter Haggai, the prophet. So we're talking about Ezra 5, that sort of time frame where the building of the temple came to a complete stop and then for 15 years people just sort of forgot about it. I always picture like when, I don't know, if you have a, a kid that plays with toys and they're like, they're in the middle of constructing this amazing Lego thing and they get bored halfway through or they just leave, but don't touch it kind of a thing because you can't pull it apart. And then it just sits there forever. And as a parent, you're like, oh my goodness, are they ever going to, you either need to work on it or you're getting rid of it. That's sort of the spot that they were at. And ha and, but they, they, the people um, had just been walking away. They hadn't been spending time building. And Haggai the prophet comes in uh, in Haggai 1 and says, the Lord's given me a word for you people. And it's time to get back to work. It's time to start building this this temple again. It start, it's, it's, it's time to get back on track because the temple in that time was this, it was a place not only where people gathered, but it was where God dwelled. So if they weren't going to temple, they weren't really communing with God in any way. You sort of know what happens to your life and probably to the, to the life of uh, the Israelites. They didn't have that connection to God and so they just sort of, again, began to fall away because the temple not only brought people together, but brought their relationship to God back together. So if you have a Bible or a device, um, you can go to Haggai chapter 1. Um, by the way, uh, we're like, I don't know, the guest Wi-Fi is connect, grow, go. All one word. So you can connect and jump online that way. And we're super fast now. And I'm pretty sure Facebook isn't blocked, so if you guys get bored, I, I get it. <clears throat> Just, you know, tag me. 
See what I did there? It's nice. I'm cool. <laughs> All right. So we're in Haggai, and um, this is the interesting part as I was going through is until I read Haggai, I was like, what's the catalyst? When you read Ezra 5, what's the catalyst for having people being ready to start building again? Like, because in Ezra 5, they just said, they just started building. And it seems all of a sudden, it, there's, no, there's no detail in there that says why they started to, re, to, started to build again until the officials came and then they said, hey, uh, what are you guys, uh, what's going on here? What are, you, what, uh, what are you doing? Who authorized this build? That's what we talked about last week. And so that gave them, the people, the, um, the initiative, the, the courage to write this letter that said, we're, we're going to build and you need to do your research because there was a king a few years ago that said we could. I thought, where did this come from? But when you read Haggai chapter 1, this is where it comes from. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, this time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is time for you yourselves to be, nope, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty said. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you, ne but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in, in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expect much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains in ruins while each of you is busy with your own house. Oh, I had to read that a bunch of times, right? Like a bunch of times. The people of God have, have sort of been afraid of their neighbors, right? Things have been happening. They've been, they've been sort of uh, afraid and therefore focusing back on themselves. The people in charge told them to stop building the temple and things were getting dicey, so they, what do they do? They internalize, right? Like, oh, we're not doing it. We're, now we're doing We've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to like... Make sure that everything in our house is perfect, that our house is built up, so that if, we, that if um, people come in, uh, it's, it's strong enough. Don't, I'm not worried about the temple, right? You're doing all these things. You have, you've planted all these things, and you have coats and no money, and you've done all these things, but it's not enough. It's never enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like in my life, I've chased after those things, right? That you, like, you just go after something, and you want it to fill the, this, this place in your life that where God isn't, and you, you consume it and whatever that looks like for you, uh, but it doesn't, it never satisfies the way it's supposed to. So through the words of Haggai, God's calling his people back. God asks his people how, how they could live in such luxury when his house is lying in ruins, right? They're putting all their energy in all the things, in lots of things, that are seemingly important, but none of it mattered because they stopped putting God first. They stopped putting the, the building of his house first, which was more about being with him. The house was great, but it's what the house represented. Because the people hadn't given God first place in their life, their work, everything they were doing just wasn't productive, and we have the tendency to be the same way. But, but what I... 
it's interesting where we are now because I don't want to talk about what that means for us as individuals. And we could. That could be a whole different thing in a different direction. But I want to talk about what that means for us as a community. Right? A family of God that makes up a church. And a church isn't the same as a temple. We've got the larger picture because we have Jesus. We've read the New Testament. We understand who Jesus is and the way he works in the world. And so there's nothing sacred about this building. There's nothing sacred about it. Uh, we invite the Holy Spirit into this place so that we can, we can worship and we want his presence to be here, but God doesn't stay here. He doesn't live here. We don't have to come to this place to be with God, to commune with God. Maybe a building does something for you on a spiritual level. That's okay, but it's not the thing. Coming here doesn't, is it, we, that's why we met in a school. I love that we started in a school. You know, a gymnasium, an auditorium, a place that people ate, kids ate their lunches every day. There's nothing special. And there have been, traditionally, in the world, there have been fights, right, about what can happen inside the walls of a church. Right, a friend of mine served on council years ago and was sort of laughing, recounting a time that one of the council meetings in his more traditional church that I, you know, that I grew up in, they had a 45-minute conversation about red punch, and could it be served in the narthex? What? Because <laughs> it would spill, and it would be terrible, and is that okay? Oh, my word. I get it. Spills are hard to get out. But it, it was this idea, this is this holy, wonderful place, and if somebody spills, gasp, it could be all over. Right? If kids are playing uh, because you're doing youth group here and you, and you break something, <gasps> that's okay. There's nothing about this place that is holy. It's holy because we gather here, because we invite God into the space that we're at right now. That's what makes it holy. And we spend a lot of time and money on building up houses in the name of God. But God doesn't live here. I'm going to keep saying it. This place that we are in is not for us. We built it so that we can have a place to gather, so that our community has a place to gather, so that we can welcome the stranger among us, so that we can invite people into a space that doesn't feel scary to them. That may be the way a traditional church does. And I'm not saying that for us, that might not be true. Right? I don't have a bad experience in my past with my church. I just don't. I had a great experience. My church was wonderful and supportive and loving, and I, I loved it. But if we're just honest with ourselves, and when we listen to our friends, they've been in those places, and because things have happened to them, and they've been hurt by that church in that space, and they associate the, the way the building feels and the way that, that things are set up, they, that represents bad things for them. It conjures up hurt feelings. And I hate that. I want our focus to be on people and relationships. Because people have been hurt and abused by the church. And I don't want to be that place. Our focus has to always be on relationships in our community. And if this building comes in handy, then we're forever grateful. We're forever grateful for the tool that it is. Because we don't want to be busy building up our own place. Look how cool it is. And we have all the stuff and the things. Because then we're just building our own thing that's for us, that we love. 
And I love that we're in this space and we can celebrate and we get to, and then but when we get to move in and we, we kind of live into this space the way we want it to, that's when the real work starts, right? That's the, that's the new build in our hearts that we've been talking about, about denying ourselves, taking up our crosses and following Jesus because denying the things that feel important to us, even when it comes to Sunday morning worship, right? So that we can sort of lower the threshold for other people. You're, you're here because on varying levels, you're in. Most of you have come from a church. Most of you have come from having a relationship with Jesus Christ that is important to you. You understand what the church is doing and why it exists. You're here because of that. You want to be part of a church plant that is going to do some things differently to reach people now that are not a part of a church community and, and therefore might be disconnected from God himself, either because they don't know him and don't care to, or because they've been hurt and they don't want to come back. They don't ever want to set foot in a place. Maybe they've said that around their dining room table, but you're here because you're in. You have all the things. Years ago in the church, we gave up things like hymns, not because hymns were bad or they were out of date, but because they just weren't connecting with people that were from outside the church. There's lots of things that we don't do, not because they're bad things, but because they've been a negative part of people's connection and interaction with the church community. Right? We don't pass a collection plate. Alive in Genesis started that tradition because so many people come to church with this idea that the church just wants our money. Well, let's take that away then. If, if you are here and have been here for a while, <clears throat> we have these boxes that you get to put your money in that's a thing that's just for you and that, that when you're at that level where you are, your faith has, has turned to a point where you understand that, that giving back a portion of it to God is important, then you will and you do. But until then, you will not feel any kind of shame by passing a plate and, and letting it go by you. We're not going to do that. We don't have a friendship registry. <laughs> do you remember those? You'd pull it out from underneath and then you, and you sign it. And there was something wonderful about that. I remember people like taking it out and then they'd, oh, and they'd look and they oh, you know, who's down there? We're not going to make people give us their information unless they really want to. We're not going to put them in that awkward position of having to sign it or not sign it. It's not a fundamentally bad thing, but we're not going to do it. We don't have mailboxes that are for members. Those are handy in lo for lots of reasons. <laughs> Let me tell you much, because some of you don't open your emails. So if I have things for you, you can put them in there, but we're not going to do that. Because all those things make people feel excluded. Right? We don't dress up like we used to. That's not a thing that most of us do anymore. It's like, please, it's like flannel season. Praise God, right? I love it. <laughs> and I know that there are some of those things that some of you desperately miss. Because every time Easter rolls around, I really, really want to sing up. From the grave he arose. <laughs> and then there are other people that are like, I do not know that song and why we're singing it and why it sounds like some sort of marching anthem. <laughs> and Chris is like, we're never singing it, Carrie. Let it get over it. Not because any of it's fundamentally wrong or bad or we couldn't or we shouldn't, but right now we just, we're not going to. Some of those things that we love, we're going to let go because we're in. This is a part of us. We, are, we have a place to belong. We're not building a live in Granville for us. We are building it for people that are going to fill the empty seats.
we're going to be inclusive and comfortable. And if that leads some of us to feel uncomfortable, so be it. We're going to get over it. We're going to get over it for the greater good. All right, buckle up. Michael Phelps, you ever heard of this guy? <laughs> you like that transition? <laughs> this is where the mixed metaphors come in, guys. Stay with me. Uh, when he was training for the 2016 Olympics, he was consuming 12,000 calories a day. I know, shocking, right? If the average um, one is like 2,000 calories a day, maybe you could be a little more than that if you're a male athlete specifically. So let me just give, just to, to give you a quick example, I'm going to say it really fast, because if I, I would have done it better, I would have found a great picture of this to, to show you. But an average breakfast, you ready? Three fried egg sandwiches with cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, fried onions, and mayonnaise. Two cups of coffee, one five-egg omelet, one bowl of porridge, three slices of sugar-coated French toast, and three chocolate chip pancakes. Breakfast. <laughs> Breakfast. If you're a minute there, you're like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll keep that. Oh, and then it just keeps going, right? You're like, oh my goodness. Lunch, um, a half or uh, two cups of pasta, two large ham and cheese sandwiches with mayonnaise on white bread, energy drinks that supplied another thousand calories. Lunch, dinner, two more cups of pasta, an entire pizza, and more energy drinks. 12,000 calories, that's what 12,000 calories uh, look like. That's how much energy it took him. At that point in his life, he was in the pool five hours a day, swimming up to 50 miles a week. Swimming is one of the most taxing exercises you can do. It's great, and you know what else I love about it? Everybody's the same in the water. I'm just, I can be just as skinny as anyone else when I'm in the water, I love it. It's my favorite thing. Sometimes I make my nephew give me a piggyback ride, just because he can, just because we're in the water. So you, that's insane, right? You can imagine what it would be like for you, average citizen, to consume that many calories, right? It's impossible. I, I mean, I, dare, I, I think I can safely say that that would be impossible for 99% of the people in the room. I don't know, maybe Kyle. feel like you're young, you've got a high metabolism, maybe. It would be ridiculous for us to do. We would be sick, we would be lethargic, uh, we would... It, very easily start packing on the pounds, instantaneously. You need to buy new pants by Tuesday, right? But this is, this is a picture of us as a church if we're not careful, right? We've been feeding ourselves together for the last seven months as we've been here uh, worshiping starting in, in March. And then some of us have been in church our whole lives. And we... We're in Bible studies, and we're, we're learning, and we've been parts of small groups, and, we, and all that stuff is food. And we shovel it in, and it's good, and it's, and it's nutritious, and it's good for us, and it's all the things that you want it to be. But if we don't start using the fuel, using the energy, then we become lethargic. And we're not doing a bit of good. Because we have everything that we need. We've been fed and fed and fed and fed. And now it's time to, to use that to do what God has called us to do. The, the work of denying ourselves as individuals and as a body of believers. Because it has to be both. There's a certain amount of sacrifice we ask for each, each one as an individual. And there's a certain amount that we do collectively 
for the greater good of the people that we don't yet know. So we have to take up our cross of Jesus Christ, carry it out of the building and into the world so that people will experience the love of Jesus and want to become a disciple of Jesus, that they'll know him, they'll know his, their, that his unending, ridiculous, extravagant love for them. And they are going to experience that, I pray, through you. And maybe an invitation to come into this place so that we can love them well too. And so that we can create a space where they can worship and feel the presence of God, maybe for the first time. We can't have any expectations. No expectations for people. No, no traditions. Not that traditions are bad because we're probably going to build some along the way. But the very, we don't want to have any of that stuff for now to make it clear for everyone to come in that making a place of belonging for the furthest person out, the person most on the edges that need to find a place of belonging, this is going to be their place because we will seek the kingdom of God first together. So we have to expend some energy. You saw um, Mr. Bolt there in the beginning. He's super fast. He's really, really fast. He could run a top speed of 27 miles per hour, which is insane. It's faster than a lot of animals. We don't need to move that fast. We want to move at the speed of relationships. The speed of, of taking one more, because we don't want to just fill seats in a place. We want to have relationships with people so that they can sit next to you. Because we don't, I don't need to fill this place up with 300 people in six months. That's not our goal. Our goal is to bring people into relationship with us as people. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. We're playing the long game. I'm going to leave you with, with this scripture, the one that we are memorizing together, because this is what we want to be about. This is, this, is, this is the time that we're going to focus on this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If Jesus can endure the cross, we can endure some discomfort. We can endure some things that we're like, I wish we, we can do that. Not having everything built to our specifications and our likings, we have a relationship with Jesus. We have said yes. So we will deepen our relationship together because that's important. It's important to me that you grow while you're here, that we, have, that we encourage one another. But we don't have to have it all figured out. And we do have to go. Because people in Granville need a place to belong. They need life. They need living water. And they need someone to fill it up and bring it. Let's pray. Father God, what a privilege it is, privilege it is to be loved by you, to be, to be seen by you, to be known. And God, I thank you for the people in this room, the experiences that you've given them that make them who they are. Some of them have had a really positive experience with, with you, a good relationship with you, a positive experience with the local church. God, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that they're here uh, and they've left those places to be part of something new so that we can reach more people with the love of Jesus Christ. 
And I'm also thankful for the people in this room that are here maybe because their experience wasn't so good. And they've experienced some hurt and some loss. And they are even a little ticked off. I pray that you will will redeem those things. That that the bitterness and the edges will go away to some of those feelings. And they'll be able to, to pour into this place. Help us to see people that are like them. Help us to see people that, um, that aren't sure about church, that have been hurt by the church. Maybe some people that are think they just only think they know what we're about. Help us to leave this place and, and be in conversations with people about you. Not about just this place, like you should come to church, but help us to, to, to seek out people and relationships, the people that we work with, the people that we see at the coffee shop every single day. Help us where we go to exude you, to exemplify you, to be like you. God, we want this place to be filled up um, with people who want to learn more about you, who want to be disciples of you, but who want to praise you and who are messy and don't have it figured out or together we want to be about those things because we are those people. So God, I just pray that you continue to work in our lives Uh, work in our hearts, give us a new heart, a new build, root out those things in us that are not of you or for you and help us to be willing to sacrifice some of our comforts for your people. God, I thank you for this space, again, for this building that you've given us as a tool to draw people in because there is nothing better in this world than a relationship with you. God, I thank you and I praise you and I thank you for the kids that I hear in the other room who are playing and laughing and having fun and it's probably monster trucks and we praise you for that too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.